Welcome back to our second discussion of Near Automata. We pick up this time back on the bunker after defeating the Goliath, the group of Goliaths. And were destroyed in the process. Like, was that a victory? Was that a failure? Does does anyone I might have just missed it, but do do people like comment on that other than saying, wow, you're good at destroying things? Yeah, you get that line from from like the commander who you know Steve mentioned last time that he noticed that all of the soldiers are, are blindfolded and all of the operators have veils over their faces. The commander is the one character we've met so far who has no obscured anything. Like both mm -hmm. eyes and mouth are clear. Um, and she tells us that you know it was a good job destroying the Goliath, but it was a risky choice. Um, like, you kind of get the sense from the way that she's talking about it that she's sort of grumpy that you destroyed perfectly good machinery um, in, in the process. Um, I, I kind of wonder if the risky is, is a bit of a mistranslation there, but um, she, she definitely implies that, like, there had to have been a better way to do that. Come on. Like, <laughs> you really have to blow up two perfectly good androids in order to take out all six of those Goliaths or however many it was. Um, yeah, presumably, they, could they, she do it by herself? I, yeah. And presumably, if the way that you end up defeating it is by ripping its arm off and hacking into it and using it against it, is that something you had to be, like present in order to do? Could, couldn't could they have done that from the spaceship? You would uh, think. I mean, at the very least, 9S seems capable of doing it, you know, from his little, like, his little fighter craft, his little spaceship there. So, you know, you, you would think that they would have some kind of technology or weapon powerful enough to be able to do that from a distance. But nope, nope, they gotta send all of you and all of your troops to get picked off one by one and blown up before uh, before you can successfully do that particular trick, it seems. Great. Right. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear. Sounds like William's having a rough time going to bed right now. Sorry about that. Um, oh, but is. maybe he's just sad because we weren't very elegant at destroying the Goliath uh, squadron <laughs> out there. Um, yeah. So there's this element of like action at a distance on the one hand and yet also this insistence on like the androids have to be the ones to go down and do stuff right the humans can't just use their lasers or some you know whatever it is distant attacking uh weaponry from the moon or or the spaceships uh, so that's yeah kind of an interesting way to think about it um the uh the spaceship itself Right, it's like a ring, basically, it seems like, um, or part of one. Uh, how much can we explore at this point? Like, I'm getting the sense that there's more to it than what we're able to see at this at this stage. Um, there's not a whole lot in the way of, like, sealed doors or, or sort of, you know, indicated secrets. Like, you can walk around the whole perimeter of the ring, bust in on... Uh, various quarters, you know, typical JRPG style, just like walk in and immediately demand to, you know, talk to people and swipe anything that isn't nailed down. Um, and, and it's pretty boilerplate, like they'll tell you, hey, I heard that you and 9S are doing some good work or something along those lines. So you see a few of those. Um, the three places that you can for sure access are the 
hangar where the where the like fighter pods are, um, which is where you're dispatched when you get your orders. Um, there's the top floor, like there's a, a elevator that goes up at one point, and it brings you to what seems to be like a an armory or a repository. Like you can buy cool weapons or like gadgets and stuff um, from the person there. And there's like another one of those mysteriously locked chests. Um, and then there's the, the like mission control room with all of the operators and the commander and the big scary looking screens with all the readouts and stuff, um, which is where you get your, your orders from the commander. But other than that, you know, it seems to be pretty self-contained. Not a lot of doors that are, you know, conspicuously left closed that you're not allowed into. No, no, no seeming secrets. Um, but at the same time, it does seem pretty clear that like it is more than you can access like hanging out in the fighter deck you're only allowed to walk on like a two-dimensional sort of you know side-scrolling plane but you can see androids in both the fore and background so you know there, there's depth that you can't access but it's not like there's you know whole hidden rooms um, as far okay. as you can tell yeah yeah the the elevator seems to make a kind of um, S-shape, almost. It, it seems like it goes in a few different directions. Uh, I, was, I was intrigued by that. And it also, when you're in that, does, doesn't it show you a bit of the outside of the craft? Yes. Um, uh, yeah. You don't so, get a whole good view. And again, like one of the elevators goes up and one of the elevators goes down. And that's really all that you can tell about it. So, you know, there are other floors. Um, so, so yeah, it does seem like the ship, you, you get a sense of what it looks like, but it is kind of hard to read the whole thing. Um, and even yeah. though the ring shape could very well just be a ring around that central mission control room, like it could just not, it could be a circular ship, not a like Taurus shaped ship. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, aside from 9S, um, are we seeing yeah other types of character popping up here? Um, he's kind of like your party member at this point, but I'm I'm still kind of intrigued by the possibility that that opens up that there might be another party member at some stage. Um, so yeah, I I remember seeing you know more androids along the lines of the two of you. Are there any that are like distinctive aside from the commander? I suppose, um, but. But distinctly different, I, I want to say. I don't think so. Um, okay. Like most of them are just the operators. Like you do run into a couple of other. Like I think there's a like a five B or something. Um, but you you also notice that they have consistent letter designations. Like the O's seem to be operators. Um, there are a couple of other B's and probably at least one other S. Um, but, you know, that's it. Like, if there is a recruitable party member hanging around the ship, it's not easy to identify it. Um, okay. it's, it's not like in Final Fantasy IX or something where, you know, they, that character has the picture next to it. You know, ah, something is up. Um, <laughs> right, right. Um, and most of the dialogue here is not voiced, right? We're, we're just uh, getting text? Or is it? Is it also... Um, recorded so you can hear people talking. I think the commander gives you actual voice. Um, 
mm-hmm. like the the interaction you have there, where like you know, two B and nine S and the commander are sort of going back and forth. That's that's voiced, but that is it. Um, none of the little throwaway lines that you know you randomly encounter. Um, besides, you know, the interactions between two B and nine S, where we're like rebooting two B, which we talked about last time. Um, or the the big exposition dump about the humans on the moon, um, like all of that is voiced, but virtually every character we run into on the ship is just text. Mm-hmm. And is that, you know, just a way for you to feel free to skip stuff more easily? Do you suppose? Um, I suspect. Because... Um, also, just you know, like I said, this is. This is has this very much smacks of like a typical RPG town or hub world, you know. Mm-hmm. There, there's uh, like obviously there's a lot that you can just wander around and do. You know, there there are in fact goodies hanging around in some of the the cabins. Um, you can buy stuff from the shop if you want. Um, I think I picked up some healing items since that seemed like a good idea, um, <laughs> but. You know, I think what it basically comes down to is, since it isn't terribly plot-relevant, since it's not in the main thrust of the campaign, it doesn't need to be voiced. Um, mm-hmm. These aren't, you know, these aren't interactions that require a great deal of characterization. Like, you don't need to know, you know, the nuances of the various operators talking to you. That's kind of throwaway by comparison, I think. Yeah, yeah. And... One other thing that I was wondering about, and I don't remember now, um, was there a save point uh, along the uh, course of the the tutorial section, the opening section we did last time? Or was that all sort of like one thing and you were just in it from the beginning to the end? Are are there points along the way that it breaks it up for you? Um, I'm pretty sure it's all one thing. Like there's even a a weird sort of... um, there's a weird sort of interjection at the very beginning of the game, like when you're first booting it up, and you're getting like the, the little notifications, like "Don't quit the game when the autosave is on" or something. Um, oh. There's actually that little note that says, you know, we'll tell you how to save later. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> um, so you know, once you get to the ship, that's the first opportunity you actually have to save. That's the first time that like you find a save point. You're sort of like. Yeah prompted by the game tutorial to save um and you know the entire time you're on the ship like once you have sort of access to the save point you can save at any point in there um so the save point is less of a point and more of like a an area surrounding that point yeah yeah i thought so i wasn't sure though and so all right so that's kind of interesting again that drives home like the way in which saving is not just a function of like letting the player save their data, right? But also like about this character having her data preserved. Um, that you can only do that at certain places and certain kinds of places for that reason. So there's like an in-game reason for that. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, the same goes for like the supplies and and buying stuff, right? So that's maybe like the first. I guess as as to how you're gonna play the game, um, because you can decide what sorts of upgrades and what sorts of items to get. So, so you said you went with just some healing stuff for now. Um, Steve, what about you? What did you 
choose to upgrade or buy? Uh, well, after learning my lesson the first time playing through that and severely hamstringing myself, um, I bought the uh, chip upgrades so that I can add more as I get them down the road. Yeah. Uh, because that's a big thing that I think I completely undervalued the first time I played through. I, I picked um, that up the, the, on this run as well. Like one of the yeah, yeah, because it, it... Yeah, and I also got the healing items. But it's kind of weird, you know, you're... This android society has, like, an economy where you buy stuff. <laughs> like, you're fighting on behalf of the humans. You're being sent down there, but then you have to buy, like, healing packs <laughs> and stuff like that. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, and another, you know, some of the androids had bedrooms there and others don't. I mean, there's what, maybe five when you're running around that circle that you see, um, which, you know, again, that's just kind of a RPG thing, I guess. Um, you'd be weird to have, but I mean, I guess the fact that they even have bedrooms is kind of weird, given that they're androids. Um, <laughs> and the other thing I thought was weird was that they call it a bunker, hmm. um, which, again, that's just kind of weird to me because I don't really think of a bunker being up in space. But, but yeah, uh, definitely upgrading your abilities is, is I think, the, the best thing you can make in terms of an investment right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I do wonder about the economic side of things, right? In, maybe it's just in terms of, like, materials, though, right? Like, they, they obviously need stuff so as to make more kinds of you know artificial life forms or wh whatever they're up to building right so so you bring back stuff from your mission you trade it for upgrades to yourself or you know healing uh what are they uh, just packs I, I don't know they're just like yeah programs or, or like, programs yeah. yeah that's sort of how they're oh. how they're structured here but i think steve is absolutely right to sort of point to the weird casualness of the whole situation like you spend the first 45 minutes of the game going through that whole mission and you know it's very urgent people are dying and you gotta kill the machines and you know the 9s is wounded now it's this desperate emotional last stand and then there are all these goliaths and they finally and then you get to the ship and they're like can you go on a scouting mission for us <laughs> and, and 9S even comments on that. He's like, why would they send a soldier on a scouting mission? Like, that's my job. Um, and, you know, you're right that there's something really sort of weird and, and kind of shapeless about the mission. You know, the, the commander tells you, like, go down, meet with our resistance pals, and just, you know, gather intel. Like, what does that mean? You know, we just saw this very directed, very scripted, very carefully planned out, or, you know, at least intentional, if not terribly well-executed plan against the machines with a very specific purpose in mind. And now it's just like, eh, just, I don't know. Go, go find out what's happening down there. How's the weather <laughs> Again, while they... you're at it? Like, yeah. Yeah, and... And it seems like everything that you do see on Earth is like news to you, right? It's like they—it's like they haven't been in touch with them at all. Yeah. Um, you're sort of surprised by well, it's more along the same lines as seeing the birds and and all that that we saw last time, right? Um, yeah. Well, just, 
when you're first way running more. around, like you get down through all the layers of that one burnt out skyscraper, and, and you see some of the machines wandering around, and 9S even comments, you know, it's really weird, but they, the enemies aren't hostile in this mm. area. Which I find to be a really interesting and kind of telling lie that somehow they are still enemies, but they're not hostile enemies. Like, you can just walk on by them and they won't bother you. Um, yeah. and you like, they'll just hop around and play with the moose or whatever it is they're doing. <laughs> um, and, and 9S talks about this like, yeah, this is something that we have, have sort of identified. This is intel that we have. But it is something else to actually see it in person. Um, uh, okay. No, he seems to know a little bit more than 2B does. Uh, again, maybe just because of his role. Uh, but yeah, the moose. Uh, that was probably the first thing we interacted with in Steve's stream. Um, there's like a little, a little group of them. Uh, and they're like the hardest enemy so far. Oh yeah, uh, you fight them. <laughs> if you choose to fight them, yeah. Um, and if you do and you survive, you get some moose meat, which we were kind of like, what's the point of that, <laughs> right? Like you don't, you don't eat, do you? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but then you find a lot of weird stuff down there, don't you? Um, uh, books. I noticed a lot of books. Uh, and of course, you can go fishing in the little little wetland area, um, and uh, you also let's see, you can like pet your pod. Yep. Did you hear that? Okay. <laughs> like a little Easter egg, I guess. Um, but uh, it's pretty cute. Um, yeah, so, so what else, I guess, what else do you sort of notice as you're wandering around in the uh, deserted city here? Well, one of the sort of obvious things, and something that they kind of point your attention to pretty quickly, is that the one place where the, the machines are being really hostile is they're attacking the save points. Um, oh, yeah. Like, in order to... to activate a save point you have to beat off all of the the machines that are that are like and they're vicious about it like they're it's nasty looking they're just clustering around it and beating the crap out of it and it's obviously shielded um and so you have to like fight them off and then you can use the save point and then it unlocks the map and then you can see the area on the mini map and what's more like once you have several of them unlocked you can start teleporting from um, save point to save point, which is very convenient. Um, oh, nice. Yes. Uh, so, so that's like the one place where you see the machines being hostile, um, which is itself kind of weird because you know, as the resistance cell like mentions to you, they're supposed to be disguised. Like they're they're supposed to look like vending machines, burnt out, um, but they're actually save points, so that you can like reload new bodies from there um and yet the disguise clearly isn't working and isn't even very good because as soon as you hit these things the shield lights up so it's like oh they're shielded vending machines that's really inconspicuous that's uh, awesome <laughs> but but yeah that that's one of the first things that i noticed upon you know hitting the ground um i don't know uh if this is something that you ran around 
and Steve when you were uh, when you were playing through. But did did you go back to the industrial area that we started in? Um, in my other playthrough, I did. Okay. Um, I think I ran all the way back to the beginning of the game. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I forget. I know um, where you fought the Goliath, uh, kind of on that pier, you can get a sword yes. um, there. Um, so mm -hmm. I did find that on my first playthrough. Okay. Um, but beyond that, I'm not really sure what else was there that was noteworthy. Um, your body is there. <laughs> um, oh, cool. Yeah. Like that was one of the other things that they sort of throw at you when you're when you're descending through the skyscraper is that you can see the bodies of people where they perished if you've got your right. network on, um, and then you can pick them up, and if you do, you get some swag and you heal up, and it's just a little nice boost. Um, very careful players might leave bodies lingering around boss fight arenas so they can like beat up the boss and then pick them up for a health boost. Uh, but you can also, in this process, pick up your own body from the Goliath fight. And that's like a quick and dirty way for you to get all of the swag that you picked up in the industrial area. It's not a waste. Um, so you get all your health items back, and you get all of the, the random junk that you picked up for crafting materials and stuff. Um, so it, it is a helpful thing at the very beginning of the game, I think. Very cool. So these are places where you die or someone else in the network? How does that work? Yeah, it's not entirely clear, and I have more than a sneaking suspicion that some of them are planted there by the devs just to look like they're actually you know, other players. But the mm -hmm. idea is if you have a network connection, um, if you're hooked up to the internet, then any place where any other player that like is on your server or that you know is is logged in the game for whatever reason um, wherever they died they will leave a body and the body has a specific message attached to it you can actually like change your message in the menu um, and by hitting that body you can choose either to retrieve their stuff like get some swag get some health or to revive them in which case they'll follow you around and help you for a little while um, oh, so that's the third party member. That is the third party member. You can recruit people from other games to help you out for a little while, sort of. <laughs> and um, it seems like 9S can't get hurt. It doesn't seem like he, he has a health bar or anything, like uh, as he's helping fight stuff. Does, does he ever show signs of damage if you're relying on him too much or just letting him fight everything for you? I want to say it's. I want to say no, but I don't remember for sure. Like I don't remember him ever going down in a particularly intense fight, but that just could be my failure to recollect. Like it definitely hasn't happened on this playthrough for me. Yeah, um, but I haven't fought anything scary enough to warrant it at this point. Um, so he is just you know nothing but help at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. And um. Steve, I think you were saying you realized that if you die right in the beginning, right in that, that flight part of the tutorial, that's actually like a distinct ending to the game? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the game ends and, uh, you know, it just says, like, you failed, the you know, the Earth has become 
Pokemon Paradise for the robot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what you were talking about with the save. You can't save during the tutorial, and if you die, um, that message pops up, and then the credits roll extremely quickly, um, and then you have to start from the beginning again. Uh, but it was an ending that I got on my save file. I think it was the W ending. Oh, okay. Um, so, so yeah, so you, you yeah, you, it, it was difficult um, to to kill myself on the tutorial because uh, you have so much health. Like I just had to constantly run into things. Uh, but yeah, eventually it just I depleted my resources, died, and it just yeah that I message popped up. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't easy, man. Uh, this is the completionist sort of attitude that we. Uh, we love here. Um, and so I I know that this game is sort of playing on this idea of um, collaboration, right? And like working with friends and whatnot. But it's in this kind of perverse way, right? That you have to die in order to offer that help to another player or, or I guess to yourself, right? If you die on purpose the way that, you know, the game kind of rewards you for that with a, a funny ending or... Uh, lets you uh, get stuff from your fallen body the next time you're about to fight that boss or, or whatever, right? So, yeah, there's this kind of weird push and pull between, like, helping others or getting help from others, but also realizing that means you have to, well, you know, waste your time, if not actually die, because I guess dying doesn't really mean much in that case. Um, but, yeah, it's giving me pause. Um, and another weird thing, uh, back to your like humanity question, was that it seemed like the resistance was more human than the other androids so far, like m- more easier to mistake for just people um, because of the way they seem to have m- maybe more of a culture and like more individuality to them. Um, At the very least, like the the character models are are more human. Um, like yeah. looking at two B or nine S or basically anyone that you run on, into on the the bunker ship, um, they're all very repeated, very structured, like as though they're wearing a uniform. Um, like there's something very formal about the way that they're all presented. You can see sort of the caste system at play. Like these are what the S units look like. These are what the B units look like. These are what the O units look like. The resistance, by contrast, they look like the resistance. They're a ragtag bunch of people all dressed in various ways. You know, this one's wearing a cloak and this one's, you know, got weird, like, goggles and this one's got a prosthetic leg like they and seem... one, mm-hmm. uh, sorry one has got the hat the yep. mask that uh yokotaro likes to wear also <laughs> and she's the tutorial helper like you can ask her questions and she'll tell you all about like how to save and you know what what happens when you save and there's even this great little nod there where like uh, what does it say? Where should I go next? And she just like bypasses it and tells you about like the objective marker. Um, okay. Um, like it, it's very. I mean, she is the character like in every Zelda game. You have like that one character, that one house where there are a bunch of characters that tell you all of the little mechanics um, underlying yeah. the game. Um, this character with the Yokotaro head is apparently doing the same job. 
Um, like they have all of the the secret information, and they, they will tell you, you know, all, all of the how to navigate the menus and save and save points and stuff like that. Stuff that you know no in-game character should actually be able to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think one of them even is something along the lines of this game is too difficult, um, and yeah. it tells you how to how to change the difficulty down to easy. Um, which again is not information anyone in the game world should theoretically be able to know. Yeah, no. So there's like a lightness to this portion. Um, uh, there's also like it seems like they have sort of their own lives too, right? Not just like their own appearances, but like this one runs the uh, the weapon shop. Um, this one has like the supply depot kind of thing. Um, yeah, and there's like a little hospital almost looking place off to the one side um so it seems like a kind of functioning little uh little town little village almost uh but but also kind of like a refugee camp yeah and you, um like you'll even notice when you're when you're running around in it um like it, they're sort of secreted behind again that sort of wetlands area and the waterfall um, but you'll also notice that it's walled off. Um, mm -hmm. like they've, they've made their refuge in a little circle of buildings, um, and there's only one way in or out, and there are guards posted. It's fairly well defended, um, and you can tell that they're anticipating an attack. Like even walking around talking to some of the characters, they mention you know they could be attacked at any time, and they need to be prepared for any potential eventuality. As much as 9S has assured us that a lot of the the, um, the mechanical beings in this area seem to be, you know, docile for the most part, the enemies are not hostile, um, it seems that they are subject to attack. Like, they will yeah. get together and make an assault from time to time, even if there are bunches of supposed um, robots hanging around not being aggressive. Mm -hmm. The uh, yeah, the waterfalls are so. Are they like wastewater from the camp then, or is that like, where's that water coming from? I guess? Yeah, I would think that it's just a stream. Like there is some sort okay. of water source behind them, maybe an old reservoir or you know something even more natural. Um, you can't get past it. Like the, it's heavily yeah. wooded. Um, and you'll notice that, like, around the water, a great deal, there's a great deal more vegetation. Like, it flows right down through one of the streets in the city, and it's, you know, surrounded by trees and grass and plants. Um, and the, the growth is, is much denser there than it is in other parts of the city for the most part. Yeah, there's, like, you know, huge roots of trees um, that I think attest more to their aim. And I think they point out, right, like, that's because there's no humans. Um, yeah. That that nature has grown large and abundant uh, because the people are all dead or gone, at least to the to the moon or wherever. Um, and yeah, the the resistance seem to live quite lightly there, right? They they're a society, but not like a um, you know one that's interested in growing or expanding, right? They're they're just kind of hanging out and uh, uh, yeah, seemingly fairly content. Uh, so you also pick up some side quests there, though. Uh, they do have stuff that they need. Yep. Um, 
and because because they don't seem to like to go out and fight, um, they're relying on you uh, with your awesome skills to like bring them back all the all the stuff that you get from beating up enemies. Um, the, there's at least a couple side quests that are, I think, pretty obvious, right? Because you're bound to talk to the shopkeepers. Um, well, plus, I think is there anything else mandatory. Like, I don't think they'll let you okay. proceed with the game. Like, you, the resistance leader isn't going to tell you what she wants until you've already demonstrated that you're willing to help out. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, you have to talk to the weapons guy, and the weapons guy needs this particular component. Um, which is apparently in an area heavily guarded by axe-wielding maniac robots. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then you've got, like, the supply depot guy who apparently needs some components of his own um, in order to do something, which is a little unclear. Um, and he dispatches you to just, like, beat up randos and bring their stuff back. As it happened, I already had all of it, so I was just like, here you go. Um, just turn around and solve that one in a hurry. Uh, but both of them also sort of drop like another philosophical pearl um, when you in fact complete their quest. Um, like in both cases, it, it's a thought-provoking moment in this sort of glimpse of these characters' inner lives. Like you get the supply depots, depot guys, like components. And 9S asks the question, will you be using them to repair your leg? Uh, and he mentions right, right. that, like, the leg that's not working is the only original, like, part that he has left. Like, he's been working on himself, fixing up his own body for so long that he's, like, replaced every part of himself. Uh, and only um, the leg is left. And even though it's not working anymore, he can't bring himself to replace it because at that point, who is he? Uh, that's the ship of Theseus, yes. right? That's, a, that's a, a, a classic sort of like thought experiment. And a thought experiment um, about identity. Um, mm -hmm. So here we have, you know, a character who is struggling with that issue of identity. Who is he? What is he doing? At what point has he, you know, sacrificed too much of himself to call himself, you know, the same person as he was originally. Um, mm. As for the, the weapons manufacturer guy, the, like, blacksmithy dude, um, when you yeah. bring back his, you know, complex doodads, um, he offers to upgrade your weapons, which is very nice of him, and I totally took him up on that. Um, but he also mentions, you know, he's making these weapons and upkeeping them in the hopes that um, the fighting will stop soon. That there will, that you know, you'll be powerful enough to destroy the machines and like put put the conflict to rest. But he can't help but think that he's actually speeding along his friend's deaths. Um, that by engaging in this arms race, he's just escalating the conflict, not actually bringing it to a close. Yeah, yeah. So very yeah thoughtful. Uh, interactions. I didn't realize they were required, but it makes sense, I guess, now to, uh, to think about it that way. So, on the one hand, the game is like teaching you how to how to side quest, right? but it's also kind of like a send up of that, right? It's like there's again this um, questioning of the purpose of the war, and maybe in this case, a little bit more pointed than that, even like you're, you know your progress in the war is also this 
uh, destructive uh, fate that, that's going to fall on the people that you're trying to help. Um, so, okay, so then the uh, resistance leader, what's, is it Anemone? Yes. Is that her name? Um, why is that her name? <laughs> I was struck Isn't by it? that one as well. I'm not entirely sure, at least not yet. <laughs> Um, cause that's like a, like a sea urchin. I, I don't really know what an anemone is, but it's, it's yeah. hard to say. Anyway. I, I think anemones are like the things that grow on coral reefs and they have all the little tentacles and the tentacles are typically like really venomous or something. Um, yeah. like the, the different fish have different reactions to the anemone, like clownfish are resistant to the poison and therefore they like hide out in the anemone and it's protective yeah. and, and you know a safe haven but at the same time like if you were not resistant to the anemone's venom then you know getting stung by an anemone is like really bad news um both if you're a fish and a human um i like the coral reef connection that seems apt here yeah. um they're, yeah they're sort of clinging to this little micro environment that they've got and um and she's protecting some of them, but also really dangerous to others, which yeah. is another neat connection. Yeah. So, so her, she's the one who sort of gives you your next, like, clue about what to do, right? Um, uh, and she wants you to like wipe out the machines in the desert. Is that yeah. sort of the gist of it? Okay. Um, which is weird because again, they're not actually like a threat, are they? They're, they're just sort of, this would be preemptive strike, I guess. It does seem that way. But again, you know, we're being told that the resistance camp is regularly under attack. Like the assaults mm. are, you know, unpredictable. So presumably a preemptive strike is not exactly what's happening. This is at best, you know, like self-preservation, at worst retaliatory. Um, mm. So, yeah, it does seem a little weird especially since again this is one of those cases where it's like well we can't do anything so let's send the random soldier who showed up um <laughs> and you also just like it's weird even more than that because you know this is it like this is the whole of the resistance like what are they yeah. doing here um right. you know you've got yorha up on their base and presumably there's you know other yorha troops on the planet fighting doing other stuff engaging in you know big battles or something but if this is you know capital t capital r the resistance th does that indicate that there are like larger communities of androids on the planet are that, or is this like the last one? In which case, would we be protecting them a little bit more than just sending two random troops to you know hang out with them? Um, yeah. It is very unclear, and it's like on the one hand you got to kind of ask like, am I reading too deeply into this? But on the other hand, it is telegraph. Like the game is sort of prompting you to ask these questions. A lot of the troops are asking these questions, like both on the bunker and then, you know, 9S questioning, like, what what's going on with the machines, and 2B challenging the operator when she's asking, like, what's the weather like down there? You know, there's something weirdly frivolous and weirdly unimportant 
about everything that's going on, even as this resistance cell is just sort of chilling in the shadow of the buildings. We could all die at any moment, but hey, why don't you go get some complex springs so the forge guy can... <laughs> like, it, it's weird. It's surreal. And I think it's intentionally surreal on that front. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there a portion of the camp you're not allowed to go in? Like some kind of, um, uh, a, I don't know, launch pad area or something? Am I remembering that? Yeah, right? there, there's definitely a gated off area. Like you can walk behind this, the place where the where an enemy is hanging out and see a bunch of other people like clustered around a campfire, you know, shooting the breeze, doing doing typical resistance guard duty stuff. Uh, but there's definitely a door that they won't allow you through. And I think that's again like the armory or something along those lines. Like somebody gives you somebody gets pretty curt with you about it, like, eh, I don't know if I trust you enough to let you back here. Um, which again just adds all the more questions about the relationship between Yorha and the resistance here. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean is there is there a reason why you're not like flying around with your cool flight suit this whole time? Um, is it just to be more sort of espionagey, like uh, stay under the radar, or um, yeah. again, do you just like need to eat stuff up hand to hand for some reason? <laughs> I think that's how Nine S presents it that he doesn't want to draw attention to the the resistance camp, like. If you were in fact just flying okay. in and landing in resistance camp proper, like it would set off every machine radar equivalent in you know a sixty mile radius, but by landing outside the city and then stealthily walking into the resistance camp, you are basically keeping their cover intact. Mm -hmm. um, okay, and then I guess the only other thing I remember happening here is. Um, yeah, there's communications uh, from time to time with base. Um, there's there's the ones that pop up, and then there's also like a little mail that you get, right? Little um, emails or something. Test mail. Um, yeah, which is weird. Uh, it it actually reminded me kind of um, of uh, the Final Fantasy VIII, like the way that that system worked was that you would have to spend time interfacing with uh, computer terminals every so often if you wanted to I don't remember like uh, you had to take get more to get your money, money basically. yeah yeah to get rating yeah down over time if you didn't like take the quizzes yep and, and so yeah so there's like this I think frivolous is a good word for it like the kinds of communication that you're getting and they come in these different media um seem like distractions they seem like ways for the folks on the base to like have something to do almost just like busy work um and maybe in some cases they are actually just like curious i guess but um i think one of them was about <laughs> maybe this is a little bit ahead but like the the folks are interested in astrology and they're like telling their future by looking at the uh the spots on jupiter or <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a little later, but yeah. And again, it sort of like brings to mind what the heck are they doing up there? Like, Houston, seriously? 
Uh, you have nothing better to do than just like speculate about this stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I think yeah. the game also encourages that. Like, it's really peaceful just wandering around in this wrecked old city, just looking for random swag on top of buildings and occasionally running into fights and occasionally not fighting mooses and, and machines, you know? It, it's meant to be tranquil, I think. And there's a lot of, I mean, like, we, we haven't run into any side quests yet. We certainly will in the, the coming chapters, I suppose. But, you know, I think the game relishes you just running around in the alleys between the buildings. Uh, the music is very calm and soothing for a lot of this. It's, you know, not some grand military ballad. It's not urging you on to the next mission. It's just go ahead and explore for no for no reason. There's nothing to find. Like, there's a little bit of swag here and there, but you don't even know how to use it at this point. Um, but the game wants you to be meditative, wants to sort of breathe, um, mm -hmm. which is a strange thing, especially in modern gaming, like big-budget AAA game where you, you're literally, like, forced to just sort of wander around, meander from place to place, and not have a specific goal in mind. Like, there isn't somebody just yelling in your ear all the time about, quick, go to the next checkpoint! Like, instead, they're just, how's the weather? And what's, what's your astrological sign about? You know, yeah. like, there's something comforting about that. You know, it, it's hard to get a read on, on what are, in fact, the stakes, but that's... I think something kind of typical of warfare in general. Like, you know, people have frequently described it as, you know, brief moments of intense horror, super, like, separated by long periods of waiting. Um, mm -hmm. You just, I think that this game is very interested in, in that dynamic. Um, you know, you've got this really exciting out-of-the-gate beginning with crashes and explosions and people dying and drama and, oh my gosh, 9S. Um, and then it's just a whole new normal. Um, yeah. Like, now this is this is the status quo. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting, interesting choice on the part of the game, to make this very tranquil, open world separating these moments of incredibly intense suffering and drama. Yeah, they, they kind of misdirect you a bit, right? Because as you're entering the planet, there is another sort of flight uh, bullet hell, but it's it's, it's quite toned down. Um, yeah. But there, it's, it's like leading you to think, okay, so this is like another mission, like the first one, only more so probably, right? And then, and then you get there and there's moose and peaceful robots and trees yeah. and uh and they yeah. force it like that building that you have to walk through to get to the ground it is a maze like it's intentionally mm -hmm. you know obscure and like the the quickest way down is through the elevator shaft at which point you'll like crush yourself into a million pieces if you're not taking the ladder you know either way you know here you are expecting this this sprint to the finish mission and the game is literally throwing obstacles in your way, throwing obstacles that prevent you from being able to just blast through to the next objective. And you, you know, you've got the objective marker, it's sitting there on your main map, and there's literally no way to get to it by just running at it. Like, you're just literally running into a wall. 
Um, so, you know, it's intentionally disorienting. And like, even if you, even once you get to the ground level with all the moose and the, the machines, you're told they're not going to fight you unless you start something. And what's more, if you try and beeline to the resistance camp, once again, it's obstacles and maze and, you know, misdirection. The game wants you to take it easy, to, you know, get used to your surroundings, to have to explore, um, which is interesting. Like, it's very unintuitive, and I think that's, again, intentional here. And you mentioned the music. Um, the way that the music seems to uh, encourage tranquility exploration here, um, but with with just enough of kind of calling back to the first mission, right? Um, I think it's partly through the the vocals again, um, which are really beautiful and um, uh, pretty distinctive, right? The, the style of the music is somehow continuous, even though the the mood that it's giving is is a bit different from the two missions um, so far, anyway, right? Uh, it's um, it's something that I, I almost wish, maybe there will be, but I almost wish there were an explanation, again, sort of like the save points and, and dying, like within the game, is there a reason that there's this beautiful music playing at all times? <laughs> it's somehow so fitting to what you're, what you're up to, like, to be just have, um, music playing on her, uh, <laughs> right, like internal it. circuit. It's what is it? Diegetic music? Like she's she's got her radio on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's an explanation, but I I do have to say that this has this is probably my favorite soundtrack from a game in the last five years. Like, um, it's it's really a masterpiece, um, and just all of the the ways that it you know does as you say like can constitute one consistent theme, one consistent aesthetic while also being able to highlight each of the individual differences in each of the areas like it it's really great um it never like it can do really intense but it can yeah. also be very tranquil and somehow not feel like jarring in any way yeah yeah uh well so on that note i mean any other stuff that uh you're picking up on steve or any other topics we should touch on here? No, I think everything I wanted to discuss was uh, covered tonight very thoroughly. Right on. Sorry, I know there's quite a bit, bit short section. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it makes for a nice uh, yeah, a nice rest after the first one. So, mm -hmm. good with that then. Um, any other fun plans for this coming week? Yes. But just in general, or yeah. Well, I know Ben's gonna be doing like four lectures or whatever. <laughs> what What have you got going on? Oh, I'm just constantly checking how my GameStop stock is doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, are are you are you suffering? Are you okay? Am I suffering? Are you kidding me? I've I've tripled my money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when the squeeze hits, man, that's that's when everyone gets rich. But uh, no, I started I started the day at like twenty five k, and then I dropped down to like twelve during the day. So that was 
bit jarring, but it's all part of the plan. Uh, they're just trying to scare us in the cell. We just got to hold tight. That's unreal, man. Uh. Well, yeah, the the one app like actually started restricting trading. Uh, you couldn't that. buy. You couldn't buy any of the GameStop stock. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. That's that's my plans. Um, yeah, that's like a a video game, but also real money. Uh, I don't know what to do with that. I, so, <laughs> I think it's it's unfolding like. This is unprecedented, right? Like no one really knows what's happening here. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's. This is going to be written about, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. going forward. You know, it's going to, especially depending on how it like shakes out at the end. Um, but it's 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 very interesting. Uh, are you active in the kind of communication around this, or you're just like along for the ride? Uh, I've. I mean, I, I saw some Reddit posts about it like last week. Okay. And then, uh, so then I kind of like started looking into it more. I talked to some of my coworkers who, you know, do investments. And I was like, is this thing legit? And they're like, well, here's the situation. And I was like, all right, I'll throw some money at it. So I've been following it ever since I threw money at it. Uh, sure. I will say I was the only person at my work who did throw money at it. Okay. So I don't think it was a, a great investment. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, so far I've I've uh, tripled my money, so we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, I just don't lose anything at the end of it. That's really all I'm concerned yeah. about. Dude, I don't know. If I were you, I'd get out now. I I don't I don't think that the little guys are going to win against the big guys in this one. I am even though there's a lot of the SEC is going to come down hard on them. I'm not sure how that would look, but just you know, this is one of those things. Hard on who? On the on the the amateurs, the day traders, um, the, mm -hmm. like I'm, again, I'm not sure how how that would look like. Usually, the idea is you know you're supposed to prevent speculation and bubbles by like individual Wall Street types, but you know I it's just all the more incentive to just find a way to crack down on people who quote don't belong here as far as the the big wigs are concerned. So. I don't know. Like, I don't want that well, to be the end of this story, but I suspect that's the way it's going to shake out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen there's other stocks that oh, yeah. Reddit has kind of pumped up. Yeah, right, AMC but like GameStop... Recently, right? What? AMC, AMC yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, those are, those are just, like, pumping up the stock value just to do that. Yeah. Like, GameStop is completely different because the hedge fund people basically abused their power and they took an extremely I mean, like they did stuff that they shouldn't have been doing yeah mm, uh, they put themselves in a bad situation so it's more like taking advantage of the fact that they were abusing the system yep. and now you know their, their chickens are coming home to roost and mm -hmm. uh yeah i, I feel you know, zero sympathy to... for the hedge fund managers getting bankrupted <laughs> yeah. by this one but yeah, you know, yeah. I still have a sneaking suspicion at the end of the day that the status quo will prevail um, as oh, 100%. as it may be. Yeah. yeah, 100%. But it is nice. Like, they, they found a way to fight back. <laughs> <laughs> For the moment. Yeah. Uh, I think it is a bit ironic that the app that shut them down is called Robin Hood, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, like, capitulated to... 
the uh, the powers that be, and we're like, okay, yeah, we'll try to we'll try to cool this off. But yeah, I think you're probably right. They're probably afraid of getting in trouble with uh, regulators or yeah. hitmen or, uh, or whatever uh, it might be. Robin <laughs> Robin Hood is is like owned. I don't know if it would be a, considered a hedge fund. It's it's Citadel, um, and I don't know exactly what they do if they're a broker or whatever. But like they're connected. So this was all just. You know, I'm uh, okay. speculating here that it was just like all a giant ploy, um, because today was was very bizarre. There were a lot of questionable things going on, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting. At least yep. it gives me something to do. Yeah, seriously. Uh, have you been playing Hitman though, or are you kind of busy with uh, your other stuff? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That that's baby stuff. I've been playing the stock market. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the adult games, right? Well, and you're also, are you still looking at condos and stuff? I know the one fell through. Are you, you have some other ones you're looking at or? Yeah, I think I'm going to probably make an offer on one uh, either tomorrow or early next week. I mean, listen, depending on how the GameStop stock goes, you know, my budget <laughs> might Certainly you'll be go up more now. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to probably be making an offer in the next coming days. Very nice. Good luck, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Wes? You got anything? Um, I'm I'm uh, working on my kanji. They are tough. Um, uh, I think I'm ready to start playing Mother Two, though. I think my okay. my katakana is, is is as good as it's going to get until I actually start practicing with it. So, um, so that's my my next little project here. Very um, cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, just like writing projects that I keep putting off. You know, uh, I need to, uh, I need to finish this. I've been working on this thing, so not to do a cyber text, um, but to do with another like big name in in play studies and game studies. A guy called uh, Huizinga, who is the author of Homo Ludens. Okay. So man, the player, man playing. Um, which is a, it's a really interesting book, um, and it's, you know, always cited, but I, I just don't think that most people look at the context of it very much, so I was kind of just, like, reading a bunch of his other books, and uh, this was, like, around Christmas time, and then uh, I got distracted, and I haven't, I haven't quite finished uh, his, he's got a book where he, like, visits America, and this is back in the, I don't know, 20s or 30s or something and he's kind of doing like a de Tocqueville thing where he's like talking about what he observes and what he thinks about American culture and stuff it's really interesting uh writer so I wanted to do a kind of uh like an overview of his work and and how the play studies fits into it so that's on my it's top of my to-do list right now I guess very cool yeah have you guys tried cyber text by the way I did I did want to ask it's I I quote unquote read it over the weekend but like it's hard i don't know <laughs> yeah it's I, I was honestly pretty impressed with the depth like yeah. his credentials are, are very very impressive as far as i can tell like um yeah. his talk about his sort of recognizing that you know games function as a wholly new way of doing semiotics and him just sort of like telling everyone, hey, guys, this is a thing, everyone ignoring him. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. 
like it's a really interesting sort of place. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the the sort of hypertext stuff that he's he's dealing with here. Um, like I, I've played my fair share of like text-based adventure games, and I know one of my friends, Mike, uh, was involved in one of the big name uh, like text-only MMOs, the the Muds, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, Tiny Mud or one of those. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, I know that he's really deep into that, so I might end up picking picking his brain about it at some point. But I am eager to read more, just strapped for time. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, we should. I just think. Yeah, we shouldn't draw it out. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> we should make an attempt to say something about it sooner rather than later, if possible. But uh, yeah, it's okay if we don't have a whole lot uh, to to uh, critique about it that's fine um, yeah so that'll be something to look forward to for next week i guess um so along with what playing through the end of the desert yes uh, right. big boss fight like yeah run back to back to the main area that's yep They're, from here on out i suspect the regions are, are going to be pretty clearly delineated so I think we've got like the desert and then the amusement park, and then I forget where it goes from there. I think there's some fancy story stuff that happens. The amusement that park? Yes. No ah, that's so cool. Okay. All right, y'all. Um, thanks again. All right, All right man. Good. Yeah, talk to you later. Yep. See you soon.